What is your strategy for how decisions should be made in your company? More importantly, if asked, would your employees be able to explain your company's decision-making strategy in a way that matches yours? Why does this even matter? Stay tuned and I'll tell you why I think it matters a lot. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. When it comes to decision-making, specifically deciding who should make decisions, we basically have three options. We can be intentional about having them made at the highest possible level. We can be intentional about making them, you know, making it so that they're made at the lowest possible level, or we can be kind of unintentional and just figure it out as we go. Now, this is the option that most people pick, which is they, you know, we'll kind of figure it out as we go. And, you know, this is not a critique. I mean, in the beginning, we're figuring all kinds of stuff out, you know, and we have no choice but to just muddle our way through things. But there's some there's some consequences that they, if we continue this, we figure things out as we go as, as it relates to decision making as the company grows. I'm going to give you just a couple examples. There's tons more than these two, obviously, or a few or whatever I got here. But there's a couple examples I'll share with you that are that are easy to point at as to where this could become a problem. So the first one is supervisors who are new, especially new managers, people have been promoted, outsiders from the company coming in in leadership roles. I found in my experience that those, these people, and, and I'm talking about myself too, by the way, when I first started, <laughs> but that it was not just me, other people I've met and, and promoted and hired and whatever, they're eager to show their potential and eager to show their value. And one of the ways that is most commonly shown, this is demonstrated, is by creating scenarios or retaining, well, creating scenarios where they must make, be the one who makes a decision to show their value. or retaining that once they have it and not letting other people have it. Because again, they're, they're, they're wanting to show how important they are. And I don't mean that in a, in a, you know, superiority kind of thing, but they, they want to be seen as valuable to the organization. And in some, in some cases, if they don't know, if they don't have any other criteria to, to assess their value, what they will stick with is I make decisions. I help the company out of jams, those kinds of things, which they do. That's what we want them there for. Right. But also we want them to teach people. Right. And, and if they don't know when they should teach and when they should make decisions, then we've got problems because sometimes they will default to they want to keep all the decision making so that they can see themselves as more valuable to the company and their and their you know their their career is more likely to take off and whatever. All right. So that's one issue with if we do the option where we just, you know, figure it out as we go. Another one is frontline employees will sometimes not want to make decisions that are uncomfortable, especially, or make decisions that would put them in a situation where they have to take more ownership than they feel like taking at the moment. <laughs> or they might just choose to hand the porcupine to somebody else. Like, hey, we got a sticky situation here. Um, I don't want to deal with it. And I got that supervisor over there who's really excited about making this decision. So Yahtzee for the supervisor. 
But this can become an unproductive pattern if we don't specifically say how we want and who we want to make decisions. So in some cases, people who should who we would ideally want to make decisions will kind of defer and say, well, I don't want to deal with that. It's it's a mess. It's not going to be fun. And I'm going to defer that to somebody else and somebody else who is eager to take that would, would, would you know, accept that, right? The other thing with figuring out as we go is many decisions that are made on a single topic, issue, circumstance, um, problem, whatever, if we're not intentional about this, will be made by multiple people. And nobody will know that multiple people have, quote unquote, made a decision on this until the problem manifests itself. So how many times have you thought or said something like, wait a second, I thought we did this this other way. Well, you thought you made a decision and then somebody else came behind you and made a different decision. <laughs> That's how that works. So if we're not intentional and, and you know, state how we want this to happen, these are the kinds of situations that can happen. So let's move on to if we're intentional about having them made at the highest possible level. And this is the next most popular option. So we hear business owners commonly say, I'm the bottleneck. Well, this is what happens when decisions are made at the highest possible level. When we stop, the business stops. When we stop, everything stops. It literally cannot function with even a moderate hiccup if we're gone. But we get to impress our spouse by taking our laptop and our phone with us on vacation, which they are generally not impressed with after a while. But this is what creates that. If the decisions have to be made at the highest possible level, i.e. the business owner, well, the business owner has to be available at all times to make decisions. And what happens is we we think that we don't want this, but we unintentionally or intentionally create the situation where decisions are made at the highest possible level because we don't trust people at lower levels to make decisions. That's really what it comes down to, in my opinion. Now, to be fair again, we, have, we really have no choice but to do this in the beginning. In the beginning, you have to make decisions at the highest possible level. When you have you and yourself and that's it, that, that that's obvious. When you have one or two employees, it's obvious, again, you have to be able to make decisions. But as the company grows from that very infancy, we have to be diligent about turning decision-making over to others. And, and this is kind of the whole point we get into is here because we have, to, we have to make choices here. It basically comes down to two things. Either we're going to be intentional about how we do this or we're not. That is the first thing. If we're not going to be intentional about this, there's going to be some chaos. Because if we don't have a, a, a plan and more importantly, a, a plan that we can all articulate as, as it relates to how we go about decision-making. Sometimes many people will make, be making decisions on the same thing, and sometimes nobody will be making decisions on the same thing or on a thing. And in, in most cases, it's going to end up being the business owner's problem, and therefore the business owns you, and you can't go anywhere. You can't take vacations. You can't just leave Friday at noon. You can't go golfing on Wednesday with your friends. You can't. All these things we say we want to do, this is one of the primary reasons why it can't happen. So the first thing is you have to be intentional about this. Either we're going to have a plan or we're not. And if we're going to have a plan, we have to choose between wanting compliance and control or improvement and freedom. So you've heard me say many, many times, we can either have create plans and, and create a company where we have control and things are done exactly how we want them to be done. But that costs us our freedom. Because we then have to make sit around and make sure it's done exactly how we want it done. You have to inspect what you expect and all those things we've heard. Or you can have freedom. And, and you get also improvement with that freedom. When decisions are made at the lowest possible level, great things can happen. Because we're not aiming for compliance anymore. Now we're aiming for improvement and freedom. But that costs you control. 
You get a focus on outcomes when you get freedom. You don't get a focus on making sure people do it exactly how you would do it. You can absolutely focus, though, on making sure we get the outcomes we want. And you guys have heard me talk about this. I think it was episode 99. It's called Be Like Mike. My greatest mentor showed me exactly how he does this. It's a, it's a great episode uh, if you're wondering how that, how, to work, how that works. But I know what you're thinking. You don't understand, Brian. I can't even trust him to make the decisions I want him to make now. I'm in no position to give them more decisions to make. And I totally get that. And I, I'm going to tell you a story here. Um, I, I may have said this recently, so if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But a couple times in the last couple of years, I've gotten calls from people, different industries, exact same circumstance. They said, they called me and said, I have a project manager that we got to let go. They're just not getting it. They're just not a good fit, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, no problem. And they called me just to figure out how to do this in a way that was as painless as possible for everyone involved. And said, no problem. I can help you with that. Before we do, though, let me ask you one question. If I, Brian, called your project manager, Sally, and said, what are the top one, two, or three criteria that your boss uses to assess your performance? Would her answer match yours? And the answer I got was awkward silence, followed by a, hmm, probably not. Okay. So what do we expect to happen then if we don't even have any confidence that they understand the criteria by which they're being assessed? And this is a great example of what we're going to get into here next, which is how you can begin getting people ready to make decisions that you can trust. First thing is you, we have to commit an adequate amount of time for training. And I know that I'm on the end of the spectrum where there's way more training and there, and there's probably room to move away from how, how much training I like to have. Maybe you like to have a lot less than that, but, but we got to have training if we want to have people who can make decisions. There's not, there, there's this weird calculation that we make as human beings, which is what's the least amount I can do to get the absolute best result. And this least for the most calculation is what leads us down the path of providing very little of any training and having very high expectations on how well people perform. And I just don't think that's, that's realistic. I don't think that's reasonable. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's likely to get the outcomes we want. So here's what most training looks like. We, we, you know, we have a weekly meeting or every two weeks meeting or once a month meeting, and we got 43 things we're going to hit. We're going to hit these things. I'm going to give each one a minute and a half, and the meeting runs long, long because we give it two, two or three minutes instead, and I, I get through my things, and here's how it goes. I told you guys we're doing this. Here's how we need to do it. Here's the problem that we had. Here's the customer complaint. We didn't do it the way I told you, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody not understand how we want to do this? Silence. Everybody nods and smiles when they're supposed to. Great. Quote, unquote, training done. That is not training, in my opinion. That is explaining. <laughs> explaining does not have the same outcomes as training. So we have, to, we have to commit the adequate amount of time for training. And for me, like, I have a hard time. I would have a hard time looking myself in the mirror and having a reasonable expectation that people perform at a high level, which is what we all say we want, if I'm going to dedicate less than 2% of the time that they work every year to training. 2%, I think, is a pretty th low threshold. And 2% works out to about 45 minutes a week. So for me, that's, that's even too low. I, you know, I'm more of an hour, hour and a half a week. And I know that's expensive. I know that pulling everybody together for an hour and a half meeting once a week costs a lot of revenue. There's calls that they're not doing. There's, there's work that's not being done. I get it. But my goal was not to have control. My goal is to have freedom. So freedom has costs. And this is one of them. One of the costs is that however much money, if it's $4,000 we're giving up every week to not have everybody running those calls, that's what it costs. 
But it was a great investment for me because my goal was to work less. And I, and I worked. You know, When I sold my shares of my company, I was working less than three days a week. I got exactly what I wanted. This is how I did it. I committed the time to training. So that's the first thing. Then we have to do the work in the training. And here's what I mean by that. And you guys have heard me talk about some of these things before. So the, some of this will be repetitive. But let's start with the basic thing, like the, 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 the project managers I talked about. Can they explain what success looks like? So instead of walking and saying, hey, here's how I've told you guys 143 times how we do this thing. I don't do that. I walk in and ask the question, as it relates to this thing, as it relates to follow-up on estimates, what does success look like? And I stop talking. If their answer, if they cannot articulate an answer that sounds like what I want the answer to be, then they can't make very good decisions. And the conversation cannot progress from that point if they can't do that, if they cannot even explain what success looks like, they cannot even articulate the goal, then nothing else matters. And that's where the conversation has to stay. And only once they can do that, can I move on to the next thing, which is, why does getting this right matter? If they can't articulate this, they cannot make good decisions. If they do not understand the consequences of getting it wrong and the benefits of getting it right, they will not do the next part we're going to get into. So the conversation cannot move on from why does this matter getting this right if if they don't have an answer that, that it, it sounds like they understand and get it truly, not just regurgitating the words I use, like they're using their own words to articulate in a point that sounds like what I would like the answer to be. Only then can I move on to the next thing, which is how do we do it? And again, if they can't articulate this in their own words, not cop, you know, regurgitating my words. But if they can't articulate this in their own words, in a manner that lets me know that they got it, it's not going to happen. And part of this is who's responsible for which steps. Sometimes they, we think that a certain person should do it. And the whole time we're telling the group, you know, you pull your 20 people into a room and you're, and you're talking about this as if the journeyman should do it or the, the person with this expertise or the, the team lead or whatever. And the whole time you're doing that, they're going, I know you're talking to me. You're talking to the guy sitting next to me. And if we never dive into like who specifically is supposed to do a thing, they can all be sitting there. Literally, I've seen this happen. I can't even tell you how many times in my career. And you have to where everyone sitting there thinks you're talking to somebody else. And we commit an hour to training and everyone walks out and goes, yeah, that's that's really sucks for the other guy. He's going to take care of that. <laughs> and this is how it goes. And I can't tell you how many times people just skip over this part of like saying out loud. Who's supposed to do this? And why is that to be this person? Sometimes they think it's not fair that, they, that you want them to do it. Sometimes they think it's not reasonable. They have too much seniority or not enough experience. Or their job title suggests that they, don't, they should not be doing this work. This is beneath them or this is above them. I don't have the experience or I don't have the, the, the clout to pull off this thing that you're talking about. And if we never talk about those things, everyone can make assumptions that somebody else is going to do it. And then, no, no, and then we're all wildly upset and frustrated. And bewildered when it doesn't happen. So who's supposed to do it? Why does it have to be that person? When is it supposed to be done? When is each part supposed to be done? We talked about, you know, my example earlier was like following up on estimates. Okay, we got to do a great job of following up on estimates. Well, when does that have to be done to be doing a quote unquote good job on following up on estimates? Why does it have to be done at that time? If they can't explain that, like if we say, okay, estimates got to be followed up on within a week. Okay. Why? Why is it a week? Well, the close rate goes down significantly if you wait that extra week. Do they get that? If they don't get that, it's not going to happen. These are the kind of things we have to get into. So what are the parts that we must follow like a written procedure of this thing we're talking about? What are the parts that are 
step by step, we've decided we're we're all going to 100% have compliance on this because we've decided as a group this is the best way to do it. There's no deviation. And one of the parts that we have to rely on solid decision making, you can't proceduralize, that you can't put step-by-step things on. There are things that our people do that cannot be proceduralized. Do they know which ones those are? Do they know which things have to be a procedure followed and which things have to rely on solid decision making? Do we even know? Sometimes we don't even know. And for the parts that rely on dis- uh, must rely on solid decision making, what are the criteria that should be used to make quote unquote good decisions, right? So these are the kind of things that if we want to have that freedom, this is what it costs. And this is how we get people to be able to make really good decisions we can trust at the lowest possible level is educating on all these things. If they don't know this stuff, there's no way they can do it, right? More on that in a minute. First, you've heard me talk about the group I launched about a month ago called Service Business Academy. Well, how do you know if it's for you or not? Here's six ways you can tell. So here's three things about you. One, you have integrity. You're not willing to accept low standards for your company, the service you provide, or yourself. That's first, if, you know, hopefully you know me well enough by now to know that if you have low standards like this, is not going to be a good fit. You want to build a bigger business and you're not content with the current size of your company, its financial performance, or your level of freedom from it. Third thing about you is you're driven to pursue personal development and want to improve your skills so your company can grow and you can also maintain those standards we just talked about. Three things about your company. First, your company provides an essential rather than discretionary service. The service you provide is recurring and you have multiple interactions with your customers each year rather than solving a singular problem for homeowners like every several years. Often this is a B2B kind of thing. You know, the, the people who fit best in the group are providing an essential service. It's not, you know, having a pool put in every, you know, 25 years. It's accounting firms. It's recurring, you know, plumbing companies and electrical companies and, and people who are working with, again, off, often B2B kind of thing. And a significant part, the third thing, is a significant part of your revenue is relationship driven, not marketing driven. Now, everyone does marketing, but some companies rely on relationship building to retain long-term clients and get referrals to grow. So great fits for people in the group or a great fit for the group or people who have that element where a significant part of their business is relationships, not just marketing. So if several of these describe you, then you would likely be a great fit in our group. So if you think so, shoot an introductory email to hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com to get the information so you can come check out the, one of our meetings at no charge. All right. As you've heard me say many times before, we have to choose a path that either provides us compliance and control or provides us a path, uh, provides a path to improvement and freedom. If we're not intentional about that, we will oscillate between the two. Sometimes we're going to think I can't keep having my wife tell me I can't take my phone with me on vacation. I need to have freedom. And we start building a company where we have freedom. And then six weeks later or two months later or four days later, somebody makes a decision that you're like, what the heck were you thinking? I can't trust these people to do anything. I have to build a company where I have lots of control and we completely change course and we build, we begin building a company where we have lots of control again. We oscillate between those two things, which leads to chaos because nobody ever really knows what we're, who's supposed to make decisions. We don't choose to make, you know, we don't choose to be intentional about that. We just have some kind of chaos because we're oscillating or we will likely default to top-down decision-making, which again gets right back to, I have no freedom. So how do you begin getting people ready to make solid decisions you can trust? You have to commit an adequate amount of time for training. There's no getting around this. There is no other way I know of to transfer the knowledge I have of how things should be done to somebody else than actually doing the training. And the thing that I think people miss here is that the finish line is not me learning all these things. The finish line is the employee applying all these things. 
The goal is not for me to learn all the, read all these books and learn all this stuff. The goal is for the employees to take the stuff that I've helped filter and teach them so they apply it and make really good decisions I can trust and I can go do other things. That's my goal. So we have to commit an adequate amount of time for training for that. Otherwise, that's not going to happen. I don't know any other way to, to transfer that knowledge. And we have to do the work. We have to go through this in a very methodical way. Do they understand what success looks like? If they don't, they can't make good decisions. Do they understand why it matters? If they don't, they will not make good decisions. They understand how we do it. Who's responsible for which parts? Why does it have to be that person? When does each part have to be done? Why does it have to be done at that point? What are the parts that have a very specific written procedure we must follow? And why does that procedure need to be followed? And what are the parts that we must rely on good decision-making? And for those parts, what are the criteria that would help us make good decisions? These are the kinds of things that just take time. We have to, we have to figure this stuff out for ourselves. Sometimes we don't know the answer to these things. And then once we know the answer to these things, then we have to educate and train our people to do them. And part of it is just getting everyone to understand who's supposed to be making what kinds of decisions. If, if the team does not know, our goal is for decisions to be made at the lowest possible level. How could that possibly happen? Why do we want decisions made at the lowest possible level? Because our goal is for improvement over compliance. And selfishly, as a business owner, because I want to have a life too. <laughs> I'm just a person too who deserves a reasonable amount of happiness. And sometimes happiness equals time away from work. And I cannot have that if I have to make every decision. And I have no problem explaining that to people in my company. I have no problem standing in front of them saying, listen, I'm a person too who needs time away. If I have to make all these decisions, I can't ever go anywhere. And if I make all these decisions, you can't make you can't make them and you can't grow your career. Like there's there's ample reasons for this to be a good thing for everyone, right? So anyhow, if you think all this sounds like a great idea and you want to speed up how fast you can make it a reality in your business, and you think you're a good fit for our group, shoot that introductory email to hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com today. Don't forget to subscribe or follow, share this podcast with a friend or colleague. This is a topic that lots of folks could use help with. If you know somebody who owns a business in a, in a or a company in a service industry, shoot a, you know share this podcast with them. You never know what kind of nuggets they might pick up. Um, you know, learning from somebody else's mistakes is one of the best ways to learn. And I've made tons of mistakes, so if if you can share this with a friend, so they can speed up their their path to success, that'd be awesome. Give us a rating review if you have a chance for that. And thanks to everyone who has. And that's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>